two minutes of your life just ticks away. Two minutes. Feels like an eternity when it's quiet, doesn't it? Feels like it's never going to end. It's different when you put it in the perspective of a clock ticking, isn't it? How often minutes of our lives tick away and we don't notice. But when we're a captive audience, suddenly minutes feel like hours. And hours feel like they drag on. I want you just to sit back and relax for a minute. And if everybody, just, just close your eyes for just a minute. I want you to slow your heart rate. Slow your breathing. Put everything else aside that's happened today, yesterday, this week. Everything you have to do tomorrow. And Relax. All of us together, we'll take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. Hold that right there. What if that breath was your last? What if in this moment you couldn't breathe in again? What thoughts begin to flood your mind? If that were your last breath, First of all, what's next? But second of all, what does yesterday look like? Was it important? Was Friday important? Was last week important? What did you do with the last year of your life? Psalm 39, 4 through 5. Just stay right there. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. William Knox wrote in his poem, "'Tis the wink of an eye, is the draught of a breath. From the blossom of health to the paleness of death, from the gilded saloon to the beer in the shroud, oh, why should the spirit of mortal be proud? Lord Jesus, this morning, as we've worshiped you, as we've come into your presence together, as we've played an instrument or sang or been in the sound booth or sitting, Lord, help us to put in perspective, what if that was the last time that we were able to gather with family and friends and celebrate you? What if there is no next Sunday? Lord Jesus, what if there is no tomorrow? God, help us to look back with perspective on our lives. To see with clarity what's been important and what's really not. 
Lord, as we gather around you today, Father, I pray that we would gain a new perspective on our lives, a new and fresh look at who we are in the grand scheme of things, the impact that we have on the world around us, the example we set for our families and friends, for our neighbors and coworkers, for the way that we love our children, God, for the way that we embrace our spouse or our significant other. Remind us today that our lives are a mist. Lord, our time is short. Show us today. We love you. In your name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 13 through 15. I'm not going through a lot of Scripture today as we kind of jump into this new series, the Urgent. Uh, that we're going to cover over the next five weeks. Um, to be honest, um, I've really, really struggled with where to go. Um, it's been a while since I've preached five weeks in a row, and so I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> um, one of my really great friends is actually going to be here with us uh, the 21st. Uh, I promise you won't want to miss it. Uh, he's a fellow church planter, restart pastor, um, home missionary has planted several churches and has just an amazing perspective on identity um, and who we are as people and who we are in Christ. And it's going to just blend really nicely right in the middle of this series. So make sure if, you, if, you, if you're going to miss a week, don't miss the 21st. You're going to want to be here that Sunday uh, as Galen is here with us. So uh, James 4, 13 through 15 is where we're going to sort of uh, park for a little while today, as well as the psalm that we just read that we'll cover over the next five weeks as we go through this series to just give us perspective, it says in verse 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He's beginning this, this verse by pointing us to you have plans. You have things that you're going to plan to do tomorrow. Most of us are going to plan to go to work tomorrow. Some of us are, are maybe have a day off tomorrow. We've got things that we need to do. Some of us this afternoon have things that we're planning to do when we head out of here. Um, and so James is speaking us from that perspective and saying to us, okay, here's what you've got going. Here's what you're saying. And here's what the Lord says back to you. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. There's that if there, right? It's great to make plans. What's that quote? The best laid plans, right, are not often accomplished. Sometimes the best laid plans, at least for me, and maybe that's I just don't lay them well, um, which if you know me is not completely like out of the question. Um, but, uh, but the best laid plans often don't, don't come to fruition the way we would hope. So he says, verse 14, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? This is the perspective right here. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live this, uh, we will live and do this or that. And so instead of our perspective that says, this is what I'm going to do, we change our perspective to realize that my life is pretty darn short. I heard a message once that, that um, the pastor talked about living our life on the dash, Right, so we have this birth date. For me, it was 1993 when I was born. Yeah. 
and then we have this, this dash in the middle, and then we have this end date. And I don't know how many of you like to go to cemeteries. I, I used to really not like it, but I sort of enjoy the perspective sometimes when I go to the, when I go to the cemetery. Sometimes I'll, I'll just buzz out for uh, just a few minutes out to, to Rachel's grave and just sit there for a few minutes and gain perspective and, um, and, and just kind of revisit, sort of get, get perspective on life and, and how briefly short it is. But we live our life in that dash. I love the verse that says that God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. I want you to perspective with me. How far is the east is from the west? They never meet, right? It's sort of like that old saying, like, you can never go there because when you get there, you're going to be here. Some of you are going to think about that on the way home. You're going to, oh, wow, Chris is so deep. Never thought of it that way. You can never go there because when you get there, I'm here. And when I go over there, I'm here again. You can never really get there because when you get there, you're still here. You're always here, right? So we live our life on that dash, on just that little line of, of, of what our life represents. And when you think about past to creation, all the way through eternity, all the way through forever and ever and ever and ever. Does that spook anybody else? It freaks me out, man. Like forever? What is that? I don't even know what that looks like. Like we're going to gather around the throne. We're just going to worship forever. Like, isn't that going to be boring? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable beyond what we could comprehend. As great as the greatest thing is here, that's a gazillion, bajillion, trillion, a Googleplex. That's a thing bigger than what we could ever imagine, right? On and on and on, and we're a mist. And so he's reminding us, listen, you can lay the best plans, but your plans need to be in line with God's plans. We need to say, Lord, if it's your will, I'll go there tomorrow. Lord, if it's your will, I'll do this tomorrow. Because when we live in his will, we're willing to change. We're a little not quite so stiff, right? Um, I'm going to go there tomorrow. Well, what, maybe you're not going to go there tomorrow. Maybe I'm going to change your plans. Maybe, maybe somebody's going to rear-end you on the way to work. Your perspective is going to change. You're going to get to share Jesus with them, and you didn't know that was coming. Ronnie Metzger, who used to run Youth for Christ uh, down in Kansas City. Anybody else grew up going to Youth for Christ? Um, I'm going to date myself. All right, a couple of us. Youth for Christ was a happening gig when I was a teenager. Um, we got to see people like Stephen Curtis Chapman and the Imperials and... Um, new song and a whole bunch of bands that you've never heard of um, that were Christian bands when they were just getting started back in the day down at Youth for Christ. Anyway, Ronnie Metzger founded Youth for Christ. What'd you say? 93. 93. Yeah, when I was born, that's when I went there. Um, uh, but Ronnie Metzger used to say that we need to be ready to preach, pray, sing, or die at a moment's notice. We have to be ready to preach, pray, sing, or die at a moment's notice. Whenever God calls, we need to be ready for any of those things. We have no idea what our lives hold. We make our plans. We set our calendars. We, we plan work. We plan kids. I, I live my life around planning my vacations. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I know when my next vacation is coming up, all right? It's the end of June. I will not be here July 2nd because I will be on Table Rock watching fireworks, all right? I'm just telling you. Like, I know when my next vacation is. You probably do, too. Right? We sort of live for those times off, right? when we're going to get to relax a little bit and step away from, from life and get outside of our calendar and our kids and our work. And our, well, I've got to take my kids on vacation, but um, most of them are grown, so I can tolerate them a little more. As long as Corey stays home, we'll be all right. Um, but, the, but the vacations, the retirement, right? all that stuff that we have planned, right, that, that gets on our calendar. Um, 
I can't count. Let me, let me just perspective from it. I can't count the number of people that I have known that have passed away with retirement accounts in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in a retirement account waiting for that day to come. Now listen, I know Dave Ramsey says live your life now like nobody else so you can live like nobody else. The problem with that is you may not live like nobody else. You may not get to spend that money. You may not get to retire. You may not get to that point in your life. And, and wouldn't it just, like, the, the worst thing ever is to say, I, next year I'm going to do this. When this happens, I'll do this. Um, and I'm getting my head of myself a little bit, but we've got to keep perspective that, this sounds very 60s-ish, but to live sort of in the now of the moment that we have. If we live in the past, we live in a place of of looking backwards, right, and looking sometimes to regrets or of successes. Sometimes we think, uh, I get in the habit of this sometimes, that my greatest accomplishments are behind me, right? The greatest things I've ever did were behind me. I, I'm not going to do those kinds of great things again. Some of us live in the perspective of, at some point, I'm going to do this great thing, and this is going to be amazing. And then there's some of us that sort of just live in the moment and don't really live outside of either one of those. There's a perspective to be had there in the middle. Um, when you came in, you should have gotten a three-by-five card. Everybody get one of these? Anybody not get one of these? Can we? Can somebody grab those out on the, out on the, um, and we'll get you one. If you didn't get one, throw your hands up, throw your hands in the air like you just don't care. And I want to make sure everybody has one of these this morning, as well as a pen. So grab this and grab a pen. If you need to grab a pen and share, you can. I like object lessons. I think there's just something about participating and not just listening to some guy ramble up front. All right, look at that piece of paper, front and back. Does it have stuff on it? It's blank, isn't it? In this moment, so, so when we're born, this is what our lives look like, right? They're blank. No one's written on our hearts. No one's said anything about us. Nobody's thought anything about us other than they have amazing hopes for us as, as little newborn children, right? All of us who've had children all know that when that little baby's born, man, we have, we have amazing thoughts for them, right? For their lives and their future. We, we want them to love Jesus and we want them to find a spouse that loves God and loves them. And we want them to grow up and be healthy and, and, and wealthy and wise and all that stuff, right? And, and we haven't yet begun to write on the pages of their hearts, Right now, in this very moment, you get to restart. So with some perspective, on one side of that piece of paper, here's what I want you to do, all right? On that blank piece of paper, grab your pen, and on one side, I want you to write what's important to you. Now, wait a minute before you start writing. I don't want you to write down what you think is important to you. We're going to write down what actually is important to us based on some facts, and based on some evidence. First of all, write down the things in your life that in this moment, okay, not what I'm hoping to do, not what I've done, but in this moment, write down a couple of things that are important to you. What are things that are important? Don't over-spiritualize this or overthink it. Just the first thing that pops in your mind, what is important to me in this moment right now? It may be, it may be I know, I, um, I, with some family moving here, in this moment, it may be, I, we just bought a house, we've got to move, we've got to, that may be your thing, right? It may be your thing of, I'm changing jobs, and I've, I'm, I'm right in the middle of that. It, it may be that I'm, 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 I'm having surgery, or it may be that 
Um, I got to pay a bill when I get home today. What, what right in this moment is the most important thing to you? And just jot, that, jot those couple of two or three things down. Leave yourself some space. I love that saying that says that perspective equals reality. Right? And sometimes until we really get a perspective on where things actually are, uh, we can't really get a hold of, of where they need to be. Right? So once you've written down those things, I want you to write down where are you currently, not where you want to, where are you currently spending your time? Where is the majority of your time being spent? What project? Is it work? Is it you're coaching a little league team? Where, where is the majority of your attention and your time being spent right now? As you think through that, I want you to, to think for just a moment that you've handed me your bank statement. This is, where, this is where it gets real. I want you to pretend you've handed me your bank statement. Where are you spending your money? Where is your money going? If we broke a pie chart out, I love my checking account does this, and it's really ugly sometimes because I spend most of my money eating out. Um, so for me, that's like apparently what's important is food. I know you can't tell because I'm wearing the suit coat that covers it all up. But Right, thank you. Where are you spending your money? You think about your last bank statement, you balanced your checkbook, and if you were honest, and I was looking at your checkbook, and I had to say to you, well, okay, here's where you're spending your money. There are certain people who are going to get picked on today because they messed with me yesterday. <laughs> it's not over. Um, where are you spending your money? All right, so we've got what's important to me, where am I spending my time, where am I spending my money? Now, what are my goals? What's, my, what's one big goal for the next week for you? What's one big goal for the next week for you? Now, don't write on the other side of this card. Don't run yourself out of room. And then what's a goal for me a year from now? And what's a goal for me in five years? If you want to push it out, you could go to 10 years. What is my goal? Now, in a day, in a week, in a month, a year, five years, 10 years. All right. Let me give you a minute to finish that up. I've had too much coffee because normally I sit up here so that I don't pace. We're pacing today. I used to get in trouble with camera guys for pacing. Like, could you just stand still? Nope, I'll just sit. What are your goals? All right, now. When you're done with that, I want you to flip your piece of paper over and look up here so I know you're done. Not in a hurry. There's no Chiefs game. The rest of our sporting teams nobody wants to watch. I went to the Royals game last night. I promise you don't want to watch that. The Royals still play in Kansas City, believe it or not. It's fascinating. Yeah, they don't know that either, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, on the other side of that piece of paper, here's what I want you to write down. What should 
be important to me. The other side is actually what's important, and these might match up for you. For, for most of us, some of, some of this is not going to match. What should be important to me on the other side? So you wrote down the things that are most important to you on one side. On the other side, I want you to write down what really should be important to me. What, what is not important to me based on what I wrote down that should be on the other side of that piece of paper? And then secondary to that, where should I be spending my time? Where should I be spending my time? Maybe, maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe you feel convicted that you need to spend some time with a neighbor. Maybe you are lazy. You need to spend some more time at work. I don't know. Maybe you spend too much time at work and you need to spend more time at home. Maybe when you're home you're spending too much time at work. Where should I be spending my time? And then third, where should I be spending my money? I know where I'm spending it, if I'm honest, but where should I be spending my money? And then lastly... Does God or his church figure into your short or long-term goals? Does God or the church, your church, your family, figure into your short and long-term goals? In theory... Our lives look very different from the rest of the world as believers. In theory, our money is spent in different ways than people who are not followers of Christ. In theory, our time is spent in places where people that are not followers of Christ spend their time. In theory, our goals line up with God's plans for our lives, not just our plans for our lives. How many of us really think about, when it comes to retirement, how am I going to serve Jesus in retirement? For most of us, we would say, when I retire, I'm checking out. I'm done. Yet, most of us, when we retire at a point in our lives where we have more to pour into the next generation and the next generation and the next generation than anyone else alive on the planet. We have more to give when we retire than we had when we were working. We have more time to give to God and His church and His mission for us when we look at our long-term goals. Our lives are supposed to look different. Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed once to die, and after that, the judgment. It's not going to last forever. In his pamphlet, Tyranny of the Urgent, Charles Hummel claims there is an ongoing tension between things that are urgent and things that are important. Hummel notes the urgent wins far too often, and the urgent becomes like a tyrant in our lives. Likewise, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of, Fi- of Highly Effective People, some of you may have read this. If you haven't, you should calls the third habit, put first things first. Focusing on the important, not what is urgent, is what makes us effective in the end. We often um, live our lives on the urgent because we're constantly in a reactive state, right? We're constantly reacting. Instead of being proactive, we're often reactive in our lives. How many of you ever worked for a company that is just like disgustingly reactive? 
Like, nobody thinks ahead. Nobody thinks about what might happen. You remember back to, some of you are going to remember back to uh, Y2K, uh, when the year 2000 was, do you remember that? The only time in the history of our planet when everybody was being proactive for absolutely nothing to happen. It was amazing what we did. Now, I I don't know that nothing would have happened, because obviously we prepared so nothing would happen. Um, But there was a whole lot of nothing. I remember sitting around, I don't know if you remember sitting around on that New Year's Eve, and midnight struck around the planet, and we're just watching for the whole world to come to just a screeching halt. Does anybody remember that? I mean, I I had friends who bought grain silos because they were convinced that Jesus was going to return on January 1st of 2000, which actually is not the millennium, but we're not going to get into that. Um, They were convinced that that was going to happen. I mean, they were filling grain silos with food and water, and the whole world was going to shut down, and holy cow, I mean... It was completely and utterly out of control. It was the one time where, as a people, we were actually proactive, right? We tend to be reactive in our lives. We tend to not plan, and so we have to react. Um, And and he talks about that. So here's our big idea for the day. I'm going to use a Brian line. If you don't remember anything else, remember this, right? I don't want you to miss Brian too much. Live with urgency about what is important. Write that down. Live with urgency about what is important. That's the whole big idea around today. For the next few weeks, we're going to look urgently at what is important and recalibrate our life compasses just a little bit to face true north, and that true north being our Lord and Savior Jesus, to pointing back to him. Here's a typical story, right, for most of us. When you're a kid, what's the most exciting thing that's going to happen to you? I'm going to get to go on to the next grade level right? I get to go to middle school. I can't wait to get to high school so I can do blah, blah, blah in high school. I can't wait to go to my senior prom. I can't wait to graduate. And then all of a sudden we're adulting and adulting sucks. And I mean that very next day we're like, oh crap. What do you mean I got to pay bills, mom and dad? What do you mean I got to, I got to help with my cellular bill and I've got to and I've got to pay for gas now, and I've got to help you pay for my insurance. How many of us are crappy parents and we still pay for our adult children's stuff? Yep, all right, me too. <laughs> me too. I got a kid that graduated from nursing school is making probably 10 times more than I'm making. I'm still paying her car insurance. I have no idea why. I'm just a really great guy. I think that must be what it is. We're dying to do right, and then we go to college, and then we get so tired of college. By our junior year, we're like, I just want to be done. But then we're stupid, and we go back and get our master's, <laughs> right? Amen. And then we get in the middle of our master's program, and we're like, oh, I can't wait to be done with this. And then for some of us who really need to be committed, but we're dedicated, we go on and get a PhD, and we defend it. And man, we can't wait to be done with that so that we can start our lives. And then we, and then we get into the dating scene, right? And then we can't wait to get married. And then we can't wait to have kids. And then we can't wait to get the right career. And then we can't wait to have grandkids. And then we can't wait to retire. And then we can't wait. <gasps> My last breath. If we're lucky, is at the end of all of that. But for many of us, for some of you, I will stand here and do your funeral. I will stand here and comfort your family because you didn't make it to retirement. 
And we are so accustomed to looking forward to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that we forget that this thing right now is important. This blank slate right now is critical to our futures. And so we have to turn when into now. We have to turn when into now. It reminds me of that Garth Brooks song. You remember that song, If Tomorrow Never Comes? Will she know how much I loved her? If tomorrow never comes, will my kids know how much I love them, right? We, 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 we live in that perspective sometimes, and only when we hear that Garth Brooks song, If Tomorrow Never Comes. And then there's the other one that um, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Amen. How many of us would have married the wrong person? Right? How many of us would have made the wrong decision if God answered all of our prayers the way we want him to? Um, if you know me well, you know that my favorite thing on the planet is being out on the lake. Um, I absolutely love being out on Baymax. That is my baby. That is my boat. If you haven't been out, come see me afterwards. I will get you out this summer, and I will drag you around the lake with my children on a tube, and you will experience death before life. <laughs> I promise. I just, I absolutely love being out on the lake. I mean, I, it's, it, is, it, is, it is peaceful. It's my favorite. And so I, to put boating into perspective, I want you to think about as our boat goes through the water, what do we leave behind us? Right? Preferably not oil. Something wrong with the boat. That does happen, right? We're, we leave a wake behind us. And I want you to think the wake comes out. If I'm the boat, the wake comes out and splits right behind us. Have you ever been on a wakeboard? Um, you know that you ride that wake, right? If you've been on a, on a wake surf, you, you ride that wake. Those two wakes represent a couple of things for us. I want us to think in kind of terms of this this morning. One of those is our relationships, and one of those is our tasks. So the wake we leave behind us if you want to look at it in a little bit of a perspective, is the legacy that we leave behind us. Probably in a year, you're not going to remember this message. Maybe you will. Maybe, maybe it'll be earth-shaking for you. I don't know. But in a year, we don't necessarily remember what happened today, right? But we still leave a wake behind us. We still leave relationships behind us, and we still leave those tasks behind us of the things that we've done, the things that we've accomplished, the things that we haven't accomplished, the things that we've left undone, the things that we wish we had done that we didn't do, the things that we didn't do that we wish we had done. All those things sort of form a wake behind us. And I want us to kind of think in perspective of that, what's behind us. And that's why I wanted you to write on that card, that's the wake behind us. The waves that are coming in front of us are the other side of that card, right? So what we should be doing, what we want to be doing, where we're heading in our boat, our GPS heading. And, and we can decide where that heading is going to go. And that's why I talk about recalibrating our, our compasses just a little bit. We all make an impact. And so my question to us this morning is, what are we waiting for? What are you waiting for to make an impact? What is holding you back? And then to look back, what does the wake of your life look like behind you? If you crossed into eternity today, what would your eulogy say? Has anybody ever thought about, I wonder what my kids are going to say at my funeral. Interesting. The message today was brought to you by scooters, but I'm clearly out. What, what, would, what would your kids say about you in your eulogy? What would your family say about you if you passed? What, what would they say? What, if we opened up the room and your casket was here and there you were, what would people say about you? If we opened up the room, which is oh, not always a smart thing to do at a funeral, you've got you to really know your crowd as to whether or not that's a safe thing to do. But what would, 
What would Joe say about me? Don't. What would Larry say about me? I've known Larry for probably longer than I've known any of you. What would, what would someone I just met a couple of years ago, um, I, today apparently is my two-year here. I can't believe it's been two. No, no, no. It's, I can't believe it's been two years already. May 16th. Oh, so almost two years. Um, it feels like 10. I say that with you people, but what would somebody that I just met, what would somebody who works on my worship team with me say about me at my funeral? What would somebody who works with me at my job say about me at my funeral? <clears throat> if the guy I cut off last week in traffic knew I died and came to my funeral, what would he, um, what would he say about me? Did I, did I offer him blessings and I'm sorry, or did I offer him, oh, wait, I'm not going to do that. The bird? What would he say about me? Um, were material things important to me? Were temporal things important to me? Would it be an uncomfortable laugh when they say, well, he really loved that boat? <laughs> well, he really loved his work. Well, he really loved that elk lodge. Man, he really loved softball. Man, that motorcycle, that, was, that thing was his life. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying that those things are bad. All right, I don't walk out here this morning and say, I mean, Chris just said my whole life's trash. No, that's not what I'm, not what I'm, not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, what are people going to say about important, that's important to us? Or would they say, and I hope this is what people say, man, that guy loved Jesus. Man, that guy loved people. Man, that guy, man, that guy loved giving hugs. I, man, I always knew he was just going to give me a hug. He shared Jesus with people. In fact, sometimes I thought he was of such heavenly good that he was of no earthly good. <laughs> know anybody like that? They just drive you nuts because they're so Jesus. We used to call them Jesus freaks. He gave more than he had to support God's work. He was a giver. Man, that guy, he loved his kids. Man, he loved his grandkids. Was my life representative of Christ? None of you are going to believe this. I know you're not, but I'm actually going to be 50 in September. I realize I don't look that old. I, it's okay. You don't have to tell me. I know I don't. Yeah, 93, it's amazing. Um, I did a little Back to the Future. Um, September 12th, write that down, is my birthday. And I'll be 50. And that's some perspective, man. Like, that's, I'm halfway done. I'm halfway there, because Rachel's promises that we're both going to live to triple digits. I don't know if I choose to spend the rest of my life with her that she's going to let me live to be triple digits. She thinks it's great dating. She's never been married to me. But I'm just saying, triple digits, right? Let's just assume I'm halfway done, right? That's some perspective when you look back. Like, what happened over the last 50 years? Holy cow, where did it go? And the older we get, the faster it goes. Am I wrong? No, I'm not, right? I mean, it fly, Mike, right? It flies by. Because you're, what, you're 53 already, right? I mean, that's, yeah. Um, Mike's going to beat me in the parking lot later. Uh, but, I mean, listen, I, it does, man. It just zooms by. 
Um, and even more so with being almost 50 with a nine-year-old, especially my nine-year-old. Um, I've got five grown daughters. I've got a grandkid. I mean, like, where did it go? What in the world happened? I was speaking to a friend of mine last week and was talking about, you know, kind of being goal-oriented and driven, and sometimes, sometimes I can kind of be that way to a fault when I really get moving on my game, man, I can just, I can, man, I can roll. I mean, I can, I can just really kind of make stuff happen and kind of get on a bulldozer thing, and um, sometimes I can run over people in the process of that um, when I get really goal-oriented, right? And so I sometimes don't think about the, the, the side impact that, that I have on that, but... Um, you know, there's a difference between being driven and functioning with urgency, right? Urgency can do two things for us. Urgency can make us forget about what's important, but urgency can also help kind of remind us of what's important, right? When something gets urgent, all of a sudden we're reminded of, well, that, was, that really was important. I, I really need to put some attention on that. Um, it's, and, and, and remembering what and who is important is where that kind of wake of our lives comes in, right? Uh, that tasks and relationship, that balance, um, that, that being present. Does anybody else get a screen report from their phone every week? I mean, all right, so let me just, I'm, in, I'm, I'm doing classes right now, so I spend a lot of time on, on, some, on my classes and things, but <laughs> screen time last week was like 12 hours a day. Now, let me just, I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting at Panera on a computer most of the day working on church and, and, and school stuff and whatever else. So, I mean, there's, there's like at least six, seven hours a day, but I'm thinking, that can't be right. But then I think, man, maybe that is right. Like, maybe I am, like, not being present. Maybe I'm just entirely staring at my phone too much. Maybe I'm, I'm really not paying attention to what I should be paying attention to, and I need to be more present. And I've got to balance that. I need to be present with my kids. I need to be present with our significant others and presence with our friends and present at work. Um, did you guys see there's some lady on TikTok that was flipping out because she got fired from like her third job because she was TikToking while she was at work? Are you, are you stupid? Like, I mean, that's, I mean, but I work from home. It's like two minutes. Okay, but you're on the clock. Like, would you do that if your manager was standing there? No, you probably wouldn't do that if your manager was standing there. And she's like freaking out and complaining. This thing went like viral that this woman was complaining. And it went viral for all the wrong reasons for her, I think. Because um, I think most people clap back and then said, but come on, like really think. Um, being present in all those places. Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it, right? So we have to turn those wins into nows. And then we have to turn our intentions into actions. We have to turn our intentions into actions. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Um, I think I've even preached on this last fall, but what if he had stopped at good intentions? What if that guy that was walking along the road and saw the, 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 the guy who was his mortal enemy, culturally, laying in that ditch, bleeding and hurt, and just said, man, I should stop and help, <laughs> and just kept going? Like, what if his good intentions never came to fruition? What if he never actually made a difference in that man's life? Would somebody else have stopped? I don't know. Because the preacher didn't stop. Nobody stopped, except for this guy who was a good Samaritan, who was of a culture that they weren't friends. What if, what if that hadn't happened? What if because they were from those cultures? What if he hadn't listened to the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit when he said, stop and help this guy? What if he just kept going? What if we wouldn't have that story for an example? That man would have likely died. The billions, think about this, the billions of people over the course of human history who have heard that story 
billions, I, that many people who have heard that story would have never heard that story. And how many people would not have acted or, or, or had change in their life because they heard that story and had realized, I need to think about other people? What about his family? What if, what if Jesus had stopped in the garden when he was praying and said, God, Father, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to do that. But not my will, but yours. What if Jesus had stopped at good intentions and said, peace out. Find another way. I'm not doing this. He was obedient to his father. The best intentions of the world will get you absolutely nothing. Our best intentions, if we stop at them, are worthless. Think about that for a minute. I have great intentions to go home this afternoon and clean up my boat. It's 93 degrees. If I don't go home and clean up my boat today, I can't go out on the lake next weekend. And I'll have to do it later. If my intention to do that does not come to fruition, absolutely nothing happens and my boat is trash. And I'll have to have Corey come over and do it for me. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I didn't even set that up. And we're that, we're that, we're that in tune. James 4.17 4, says this, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Read that with me. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Make it personal. If I know the good that I ought to do and I don't do it, it is sin for me. Jesus says, listen, you can have the greatest intention, and if I tell you to do something and you don't do it, it's sin. It's not just like, I mean, it's not that big a deal. I'll find somebody else. It is, he calls it sin. Listen, we, we have to repent of sin. We have to ask forgiveness for sin. We have to bring ourselves in line with Jesus when we sin because we break that fellowship. And he says, if you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, you're sinning. If I tell you to go talk to your neighbor about me, you better go talk to your neighbor about me because if you don't, you're sinning because you don't know that that neighbor's next breath isn't their last. You don't know that that guy that rear-ended you this morning on your way to church, that his breath isn't his last and you didn't bother to say, you know what, it's just a piece of metal. Can I just... Can I just, I'd I, I just love to invite you to church sometime. We don't think about the people who harm us maybe sometimes as people that we need to share Jesus with. Three times last week, I was in a position where I needed an invite card with me from church. How many of you guys keep invite cards in your wallet? Don't raise your hands. Three different times, and somebody from church was with me every time. Brian and I, neither one had invite cards on it. We're the pastors of the church. Shame on us. I really, I was like, crap. Like, I just, I want to leave a card. Like, I just feel like I need to invite you to church. I want you to come. I want you to hear about Jesus. I want you to, I want you to experience life and forgiveness and, and just great stuff and, a, and an amazing family of people that will love on you. And I, ha- and I didn't have it with me. You should have at least five or six of those in your purse or your wallet. Listen, we need to be inviting. We need to be investing in the people around us who need to find what we found. 
who need Jesus. How many of you know somebody right now, I mean, immediately comes to your mind that you know needs to find Jesus, does not have any clue who Jesus is, who needs to come to the cross? I think we all do, if we're honest. And Jesus says, listen, you may have the best of intentions to go share with that person, but if you don't, it's sin. You're not fulfilling your purpose for me. You're not fulfilling what I want you to do. We can close the gap, and we have to close the gap between our intentions and our actions to reach out from those that are far from Christ, to serve a neighbor, or simply reach out to them, to use your gifts to grow God's kingdom here at Three Trails, to, to, to begin giving financially, um, faithfully each and every week, that we, that we say, you know what, God, this isn't my money anyway. It's yours in the first place. Like, you can have it. I'm not just going to give you 10%. I'm giving you 100%, and you just give me back whatever it is you think I need. Like, it's not mine anyway. None of this stuff is mine. If, if God tells me tomorrow, listen, I need you to sell your boat. I could probably make, I don't know, 15, 20 grand off of my boat. I need you to sell your boat tomorrow, and I need you to give fifteen dollars to $20,000. I want you to take that money, and I want you to give it to Missouri Baptist Missions because there are some missionaries who I need to send to some parts of the earth, and I want to use you to do it. Are we willing to go that far? I don't know. I hope he doesn't ask. I mean, really, isn't that kind of, I mean, isn't that the truth? Like, I hope he doesn't ask me to do that. I always joked for years that, God, I hope you don't call me to Zimbabwe because I don't want to go. It's hot. I don't do hot. Some of you would be like, you know, I want you to go to Alaska. And I'm going there. It's cold. I'm always cold. I'm not going there. That sounds miserable. Probably would be. But you'd be in the center of God's will. How far are we willing to go? And I know that sounds ridiculous and extreme in our society that says it's all about me and it's all about my stuff and it's all about, you know, me, 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 me. Toby Keith's song, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about my, I want to talk about number one, right? Me, me, social media, it's all about me. Everything's about me. It's nothing about you. I hate to break it to you, but the world ain't about you. If you are a follower of Jesus, the world is about Jesus and our call to follow him, whatever the cost whatever that cost is, to reach out to one of our kids, to, to someone who's hurt or hurt you or that you've hurt, and to make things right. You know, I, don't, I, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've stood next to a hospital bed with somebody dying. And maybe they were prepared for it, maybe they weren't. I mean, from babies to 90s and everywhere in between, And there's a common theme with everyone. I don't want to be somebody who lays on my deathbed and says, I wish I would have. Dang, I never made that phone call. Listen, your life's a mess. You're not promised tomorrow. You better make that phone call now. You better make that phone call today. Because we don't know what's going to happen. I'm a fat dude. I'm scared to death to go get my arteries checked. Well, a little bit of plaque there, about 93%, right? I mean, we're that close. We are that close. And that's a perspective that we have to have. If you knew you had 30 days to live, what would your priority list look like? If you had 30 days, if I told you in 30 days, every last one of you is going to die. There's actually a a website you can go to online and you sort of punch in all your information into it and it tells you your death date. Has anybody ever done that? It's creepy as all get out. Don't do it. You'll wish you hadn't. Um, I don't remember. It was like, it was like 
2035 or something. I tried to forget it. Thanks for making me remember. <laughs> um, but it'll be 2073, according to Rachel. That's what we're going to go with. Um, but if I told you on June 7th at noon, you're going to die. And you had another blank piece of paper sitting there in front of you. What would you write on it? What do you need to take care of? What do you need to do in those next 30 days? And the question then is, why doesn't it look like that now? Why doesn't it look like that now? What are you waiting for? We have to turn those wins into now. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. Never leave things undone. We have to turn when into now. We have to turn we have to turn our intentions into actions. And finally, we have to turn our hearts toward Jesus. We're going to really dig into this next week, and we're going to talk about what does the gospel require of me. If you don't want to be challenged, don't come. Because I've been challenged as I've been already just kind of going through it. What does the gospel demand of me according to Scripture? We're going to be in Luke 14 next week. If you want to read through that this week, I'd encourage you to do that. I don't know how many of you have ever gotten a flu shot. Does anybody get a flu shot every year? Yeah. You know when they give you the flu shot, you know, they give you just a little bit of the flu, right? Just a little bit of the flu. Not a lot of the flu, just enough of the flu to sort of make you feel like trash. Although they tell you it doesn't make you feel like trash. That's crap. It does. Oh no, it won't make you sick. How many of you have gotten sick from a flu shot? I'm telling you. All right. I've gotten sick from a flu shot. I got sick from the COVID shot, but we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, I think a lot of us treat our, our, our own faith and our own Christianity like that. I just need a little bit. I'm going to do my own thing. I just, I just need a little bit of Jesus. I'm kind of cruising along, right? I just, just, I have a little bit of Jesus today. I'm good, right? I'm just, I'm just going to give Jesus a little tip out of my wallet. I spent too much eating out this week, and I can't really give him the 10% that he calls me to give, or for that matter, just to be a cheerful giver and to go way over and above that. And so I you know, it's about me, and that's really not about Jesus. Here, here's a couple bucks. Just, just, just a little bit. I'm, I, I know there's a Bible reading plan, but it's just too much. Throw that Bible reading plan thing up on the screen, would you? I think it's right in the middle there. There it is. May the word be with you. That was so clever. May the fourth be with you. You get it? Y'all with me? I realize that our pastors have really challenged us this year to get into the Word. And I realize that we, man, this would be a really cool thing to do, but I just, I don't want to commit to that. That's too much. I don't want to give 10 minutes a day to Jesus. Maybe I'm doing something else, and that's great, but there's something about participating with our family and, and, our, and our church. And if you're not in this, there's 14 of us in this Bible study right now. Every month we've restarted. It's not intimidating. It's literally 10 minutes, maybe tops a day. Sometimes it's like three. Sometimes there's really cool videos with it. Why aren't we reading the Word of God together? Nothing, nothing, nothing is more important than reading the Word of God. I hear people say all the time, I just, I need some more Holy Spirit in my life. I, man, I, I, I need more worship because I need more Holy Spirit in my life. I, I need God to, I need some kind of like, you know, Treetop experience, so I can have more, more, more Holy Spirit in my life. No, you don't. Holy Spirit wrote that. Every last word of it, through man. The Holy Spirit. 
You want to hear the Holy Spirit? There He is. He's right there. Get out your phone and scan it. Get in with us and, and be a part of your family sharing. At the, at the end of each lesson, we get to actually share like, hey, man, this is what I thought about it. Nothing is more important than being in the Word of God in the life of a believer. Nothing. Your job's not more important. Your kids aren't more important. Your marriage isn't more important. The next meal you're going to eat is not more important. The service that you're going to do at church is not more important. The only thing that is important that comes before everything else is the Word of God and our relationship with Him. Period. End of discussion. It's not even a discussion. It's not even, it's not even something we debate. God says, put me first, and I will give you life, and I will give you life more abundantly. Doesn't mean it's not going to stink sometimes, but we have him to walk through it with, and we have a family to walk through with it. Nothing is more important than that. I'm just going to give him a little bit. I'll read a verse today. Just, just a little bit. Life is a brief mist. And right now is the time to say to Jesus, look, I don't want to be away from you. I don't want to do my own thing. I don't want to live in this sin that's destroying me. I don't want these relationships that are falling apart. I need the truth of your love and your power and your grace and your forgiveness to wash over my life and to wash over the life of my relationships and to wash over the life of my work and to wash over the life of my finances and to wash over my life so that I can live a life that glorifies God and honors the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. In Mark 12, Jesus has a conversation with some people, and someone asks, what's the most important commandment? And you, you're going to know this. This is not like news to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength is the first commandment that Jesus says back to this guy. The guy says, yeah, well, yeah, I get all that. And I think Jesus recognized that the man knew the truth, but the man knew the truth here, but didn't live it here. And he says to him these haunting words. He says, well, and he says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your God with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus kind of says these haunting words back to him and says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. You're close, but you're not quite there yet. You've You've given me some of you, but you've never given me all of you. You've never really laid your heart at the foot of the cross and said, my life is your life. Send me, I'll go. Teach me, I'll follow. Whatever you need me to do, I will sacrifice for you. Jesus recognized that he knew it, but he hadn't applied it. You're close, but you're still not quite there. You're not far. You don't know the glory. You don't know the power. You don't know the truth of Jesus' word. You don't know it personally. You're close, but you're not quite there. You have, a, you have a little bit of Jesus, but you don't have all of him. And I think Jesus is calling us this morning and saying, I want all of you. I'm a, I'm a selfish God. I, a little bit is not enough. I want all of your heart. I want, I want you to give it all to me. This... This is the most urgent and important thing that can happen. That the urgency points us to the important, and the important is found in Jesus. Let's bow our heads together.
if we're really honest right now, I think many of us in many ways would say that we're living, but we're not really living. That um, when the game's over, if I continue kind of on the path that I'm on now, I, um, I can say that the game's going to end before I'm ready for it to be done. I'd like to take one more shot at the goal. I'd like to take one more shot at scoring a touchdown. I'd like to just have a little bit more. Time is brief, and listen, every single moment counts. We don't want to wish our lives away. We want to turn the win into now. We need to turn good intentions into actions. Lord God, I pray that you would show us what we need to do and what we need to say to someone, who we need to reach out to, Lord, where we need to go and when we need to do it. Maybe we've got just a little bit of God and that's where we are, that we go to church once in a while, that, that, we, that we, we come when it's convenient, that I read the Word of God when it's, ah, when I have time. God, I'll give back to you faithfully what's yours when I have it. I'll serve a little bit, but don't ask me to serve too much. I'll just give you just a little bit. And Jesus is calling us and saying, give everything to me. Those who lose their life will gain it, but those who gain their lives will lose it. Jesus is calling us for more. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus or if you've even started a relationship with him, but this morning, if you're someone who's sitting here and says, listen, I, I've never really given my heart to Christ. I've given him a little bit of me. I've, I've, I've given him some, but I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never really said, Lord God, I need to give you everything so that you can give everything back to me, so that you can give me life, so that I can... I can live for you so that I can live with a purpose that's bigger than just going to work tomorrow. That my life has a purpose. That I need forgiveness for my sin, for the stuff in my life. That I need to trust him today because I've never really done that. If that's you this morning and you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know that you need to give your life to Christ for the first time today, everything that we share, everything that we talk about, no matter what week it is from this message, has to point back to Jesus and the cross. Because without it, the rest of it's for naught. And so if that's you this morning and you need to just say, Lord Jesus, for the first time, I really want to give my whole heart to you this morning. I'm just going to pray with you. And I'm just going to ask that everybody just repeat this prayer with you. You won't be praying by yourself. We're all just going to pray this out loud together with you as you invite Jesus in. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I offer my whole heart to you. I give you my life. I confess that you are Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I will trust you with all of it. 
Thank you, Jesus, for making me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you this morning, there's a Connect card in front of you. Just, I'm going to ask you to just fill that out. You can, you can come see me after the service. Listen, there's other of us this morning who really do need to lay everything down, who need to bring that card up here as the band plays and we close out. And you need to lay that at the foot of the altar and trust Jesus with your past and your messed up priorities and trust him with what needs to be. That the should have been can go bye-bye <laughs> and the what is and what can be and what God's called me to needs to come into play. That may not be everybody, but if that's you this morning as we get ready to go, just come drop your card off. And in doing so, just a quick prayer. Jesus, I'm giving it all to you right now. I'm going to trust you with all of it as my Savior. Father, we are grateful for your love for us. God, I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for a people that love you. Lord, I'm thankful for a family that embraces our call to go. And Lord, as we head into summer and even with vacation Bible school and all the things that are coming up, that Father... Um, You'll use us as a church to reach our community. Where we draw together to grow strength from one another and to grow in our relationship with you and to be held accountable so that we can go into all the world and preach the gospel. Making disciples and baptizing one in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your call to us and thankful for your faithfulness. Remind us, God throughout this week, that our life is a mist. And as we come back together next week, as we unpack your word, as we look, Lord Jesus, at, at what you demand of us, not what you've asked of us, not what you think you want from us, but what your word, Lord God, demands of us. Lord, I pray our perspective would be that. That, Lord Jesus, we'd be serious about our faith. That we'd take seriously our call to go and we'd take seriously our call to grow. Father, we love you. We praise you for everything you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen.